Thank you, our Father. We bless your name. Lord, I am praying this evening. We are all praying. We are all praying and we are just looking to you now, turning to you, because we believe you have, we have things to say about these things. Sanctification, Lord, it's, that's your thing, Lord. It's, it's your stuff. It's your thing. It's about your, your way of being, how you, you are, your, your natural state, Lord, you, or to give us insight, Lord, help us to catch a glimpse, oh God, Father, of what you think concerning this theme, this subject of sanctification, that we should be, that we should be sanctified, that we should be holy, we should be sanctified, our whole spirit, soul, and body, Lord, be found blameless, oh Lord. I pray, oh God, for every one of us, I ask, Lord, that, um, there are there are encounters in understanding, opening, shedding of light, which we might not even know we need, might not know we desire, but Lord, you unceremoniously you can you can open up, bring insight, help with great help that will be weighty with spirit, Lord to brought great help, great sanctification, Lord, within our depths. Tonight, I pray, O oh God, we don't want to just talk about it, but Lord, I pray baptisms, baptisms, immersions, immersions into, Lord, the spirit, the power that makes holy, that makes sanctified, that makes pure, pure, but I let it be birthed, Lord, by our fellowship today. Thank you, our Lord. We give you glory and we bless you, your name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Um, good evening again to everybody. Thank you for joining today's class. I hope um, we're all blessed last week by the the little discussion that we had um okay i think what i promised last week was that we will continue again we'll just continue to discuss um okay so i'm looking forward to our discussion today i know the lord will also help us do it. Um, if I am sorry, I just want to read from the scripture. Then, um, so we read this last time. Um, First Thessalonians chapter four. Verse, let's read from verse one quickly. Um, he said that, but furthermore, when we then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and 
to please God. So you, you would abound more and more. For you know what commandment we, are, we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. That you should ab abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Praise God. And the will of God our sanctification, to abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Um, and also, I think we read from John 17. Let's go there. Okay, let's read from verse 14. John 17, 14. It says, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me unto into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I, as Jesus speaking, I sanctify myself so that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Praise God. And let's quickly read down to verse 22. It says, Neither pray I for this alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Because at this time he was speaking to directly to his disciples, but he's saying not just to them alone, but those who will come to defeat through them. It says that they all may be one as that's all of us now including us you and i every one of us together with jesus that we all may be one even as thou father art in me and i in thee that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou hast given givest me i, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Praise Jesus. I, I really love um, these verses about sanctification because, because it um, gives a, a, a perspective of it that's beyond just maybe doing good things or things that seem you not know, just pious and you know just holy and all that stuff. Um, the first of Thessalonians 4 was establishing sanctification as something that is spawned out of the will. It's actually about the will of God, right? 
are walking and pleasing God, verse 1. Then it now says, so you would abound more and more. That, so it's not just look, looking at this as just something for the sake of it. It's looking at it as a tool. That there's a, a lot more in God we ought to abound more and more into. But if we are not able to fulfill this thing of sanctification, um, it's going to be a great hindrance to um, our possibilities, our destiny, all that God wants to bring us into. The same idea you find also in John 17 when the Lord Jesus is just he just kept talking about the world, we being in the world, and the evil, the world being evil, but being here and being kept for the evil. And said the reason really at the end of it is actually for that glory which he also which he looked for, for which purpose he also went through sanctification for that glory and that so that we also might come we will not be short of the glory which he and his father shares right that we also should be able to go through the process to glory which is these degrees and these layers and of sanctification which our soul ought to go through amen i believe at this phase of you know after all the weeks of philosophy laboring sorry before i go ahead let me just Quickly acknowledge our pastors, uh, awesome, wonderful, um, amazing pastors, laborers, and lovers of God who God has given to us. Um, Pastor Femi, Pastor Ceci, Pastor Bukumi, and all of their wives. And and um, thank you, sirs, so much. I honor you. God knows that I do. And um, Thank you for us loving the Lord and um, for, you know, in our, our little community here, you know, just um, standing on the line and on the gap. And thank you, sirs. Thanks for everything. I think Pastor Ceci was recently in Winnipeg this past weekend. I know I've heard a lot of testimonies from that. Thank you, sir, for the sacrifice and going there with God's heart to bless our brethren over in Winnipeg and Pastor Books. Thank you for hosting them, him, and just talk, talking with him. I could tell he was enjoying so much. So um, um, I just thank God that he he agreed to go back to Saskatoon. So <laughs> his, his other brethren uh, there. But thank you, sir, and thanks for everything. Um, so, glory to Jesus. Thank you, me, friend, Elfron, friend, so ever and ever and I am a lake light, your Lord. Every height, your eyes clean, your every end, your Lord. In me height, your Lord. Let me to say, so, so me, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I make a light, your Lord. I kill him, I hide, your Lord. Let me hide, your Lord. Again, I might your Lord. Let me hate your Lord. Let me hide your Lord. Let me hide your Lord. Let me see hide your Lord. Let me 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 hide your Lord. Bring your Lord. Bring your Lord. Me your Lord. Me your Lord. I'm 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 your 
I'm having mercy on you. I'm having mercy on you all. I'm having mercy on you all. On you all. Having mercy on you. I'm having having mercy. Even I, your Lord, when I, your Lord, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm having mercy upon you. On you all. Upon you all. Upon you all. Upon you all. For I am with you. I am with you. I'm with you. And I'll stay with you. And I'll be with you. And I will stand with you. I will stand with you. And I will help you. I will help you. And I will stand for you. And I will stand for you. And I will advocate for you. And I will pray for you. I will pray for you all. Stand for you all. When I, your Lord, stand for you. I'm standing for you. To stay with you. To help you. To help you. To stay. To help you. To help you. To stand for you. Until you come into your Lord. Till you come into your Lord. But I won't leave you until you come to your Lord. Come to your Lord. Say the Lord Jesus. Say the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We bless 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 you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, so I was saying, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Femi. Yes. Thank you, Pastor. Enekayeli Kayamo. Giala Shendio. Emilaitava. Amala. Falandias. Helisha. Helishano. I stand with you. 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 I stand. I'm there with you. Say the Lord. I'm there with you. I stand with you. I, Jesus, I stand with you. I, I, I bring forth even this utterance to let you know that I stand with you. That I stand with you. Say the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, thank you, sir, for um, blessing us for those weeks and for helping us um, to have a, a rounded look um, at this topic of sanctification. And I'm um, going through those those weeks and um, also the, the conversation last week. I think every one of us should be clear um, at this point to us that um, sanctification is not something that we can we can do without or we can overlook that it's a core aspect of um, the Lord, of the work the Lord wants to do in us. And also the Lord is very thorough about it um, in terms of because everything that is not sanctified in us will have the, the potential, the ability to stop us from coming into this glory which Jesus is speaking about. Uh, and the Lord will help us. So uh, without wasting time, let's um, go. Uh, I think last week, 
um, sister. Oh, amen. Let me share what's your sister's name. Hello, sir. It's Tiwa. Tiwa. I'm so sorry. No. I'm sorry. My brain, my brain does that. Those who are close to me know my brain does that sometimes. It's not I don't know your name. I know it. It's just that in the moment. Um, Is it yes. Praise God. Okay. So do you still have your question? Yes, sir. All right, please. Can you ask it? Okay. okay. Good, evening, sir. Good evening to you. Um, so last week you spoke extensively about believing and like the importance of believing as a as a Christian, I guess. Um, and you know, throughout the Bible, we see the importance of believing as a follower of Christ generally. Um, yes. but then also last week we also sp spoke about how um sometimes you think you believe something, and then when trials come up, that's when you realize you don't really believe it because you don't really have the understanding yet mm. so my question then is like it feels like at that point it's already too late because the trials have already come and now you've already been like you've already passed through a lot so yes. i was wondering if it's possible to know like how do you know that you actually believe something like what does that actually mean to believe something yes. so is it that um like do you um choose do you choose to believe something or like the word for example you choose to believe it or are you convinced by the spirit of god or is it a mixture of the two i hope that makes sense somewhat yes it does thank you sir it does thank you thank you so much um okay all right um let us um i'm trying to think of how to go about answering your question because thing with the subject of faith and believing is that it's such a giant so giant thing um is a topic which the bible addresses from different aspects different angles um but so it seems like you are your question you are connecting um your faith in you're speaking about faith particularly in a season when Maybe you sense there might be some kind of a trial. Is that is that it? Not really. I think my question is more so because before the trial comes, yes, we're okay. up word, we're learning the word of God and the person of God, mm. by saying that we believe these certain things, mm. and then it's at the time of the trial that we then know whether or not okay. we actually okay. So yes. when the trial comes, you you want to say how do you know beforehand? Exactly. So that, so you, can uh, you can be prepared for it. Praise God. Uh, um, so one thing that um there's a way that we need to see faith. Okay. That's faith for faith as Jesus began to teach it. Um, and then, more specifically, faith the way Apostle Paul began to teach it, especially Apostle Paul, because he was the one who really taught um, a lot of the doctrine of faith in the New Testament. And before he did that, um, faith um, that was you see mainly in the Bible in terms of examples and all, 
has, of course, is a multi-layer. There's a way that the scripture addressed it with a, a kind of outer shell, an outer covering, which is just in a simple sense. If you want to just say what is faith, you can say it's just a way to, almost like a way to receive from God or to a way to, to get things from the spirit, or a, a way to receive from the from the realm of the spirit. Um, which is the way, the general concept of faith, and which goes through at every point. But the dimension that Paul brought, Apostle Paul, and I believe it, Apostle Paul's understanding of faith, the way, in terms of the way he understands and the way he taught faith, is very, very critical, is very, very vital for a Christian, a new born, born Christian. So, if a Christian understands faith from the Bible, but doesn't understand it the way Paul understood it, there will be something greatly missing. Um, like just to read some scriptures for you. Um, like why I'm saying that is, if you go to Romans chapter one, you see Paul he explained a bit of what his own apostleship is for, um, that God gave to him. If we read quickly Romans chapter chapter 1 from verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, right, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Verse 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. So they didn't just have grace. They also had apostleship. The word apostleship means sent one, means somebody who is sent for a reason. All right. So Paul wasn't just a guy who had so much grace and or sometimes gives advice based on the grace he has and what God is doing in his life. No. Um, because if you see him that way, you might you might not see the uniqueness and the not, not just uniqueness, but also the almost almost the that compulsory nature of his uh, that compulsory element to his writing. That Paul is someone who you must understand what Paul taught. You must understand the things he wrote. Otherwise, you won't have access because he had specific apostleship. And we know that Paul was not an apostle. He was not one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So this his apostleship is not in that order of him being one of the 12 following Jesus. His own is very, very specific. That is a sent one to bring a specific interpretation of New Testament belief, New Testament life. And Jesus sent him specifically to these things, and for these things. And one of the great purpose for which he was sent and what his apostleship is mainly about is what he calls here. He calls it for obedience to the faith. Praise God. And among all nations for his name. So uh, let me just say something. Um, I know maybe there's a way you might have expected I would just describe an answer to you. Uh, but I'm not led to do that. I want to to read a lot of some of these foundational scripture because 
if I just describe maybe the answer to your question to you, you will forget it or you might forget it. But the way to really remember things and to own things is if you follow through the, the way the scripture tries to bring out the understanding. If you follow the scriptural journey to arrive at an understanding, that understanding will stick to you in a spiritual way. Right, so um, I want to just read, maybe I'll just read two scriptures or three, maybe about what I want to say, then I will, I will then just answer your question very plainly. Um, so what Paul is saying here is that we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, so among whom we are also called of Jesus Christ. So you see, Paul had very specific insight into the word obedience means alignment, proper alignment. Obedience means obey means to do it the way um, the person who owns it wants it to be done. So Paul was a teacher of faith. Now, if we then go to Acts chapter 26, right? So that's a few chapters before Romans 1. This was where Jesus himself encountered um, the Apostle Paul on the way to Damascus. So Paul was narrating this experience. And um, he says, um, verse 15, we know the story, uh, how Jesus appeared and all of that. Says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Verse 14, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. That's Acts 26, verse 15. Verse 16, it says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister. This is the same thing that we saw in Romans when Paul was speaking about his apostleship. And I said apostleship means a sent one, someone who is sent for a particular reason. And this is the Lord Jesus directly speaking to him, to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, whom I now send thee, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and then from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins, and he calls it an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So you're seeing this is apostleship has to do with bringing people into an inheritance that they will come that they will arrive at when they arrive when they are able to receive the sanctification that the faith that is in him is able to bring. So that faith that is in him, Jesus is speaking to it here as of it here as actually a tool a tool of sanctification and it is a necessary tool of sanctification amen then the last thing i want to open please i want to open i'm sure you're following me um Tiwa, yes sir everyone else here who's interested in this question um so the last place is is first peter um first peter Chapter one, First Peter chapter one. Um, if you just read from verse one quickly, um, it says, "So this is Peter now speaking." So of course, 
We know from the story of Acts, Paul, a lot of the things he received from Jesus, he had got, he went and, and had fellowship with Peter and the other guys in Jerusalem, and they shared the same knowledge. And after some time, Peter moved into his own apostolic order of that particular understanding. And so Peter is seen here, an, also an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, then elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through, through sanctification of the Spirit. So this sanctification of the Spirit is not just saying the sanctification of your spirit man. The Spirit here is capital S. So it's talking about the Holy Ghost, right? So you're saying that the, the, you're, you're an elect through a passage, a process of sanctification. So you have to note this sanctification, which is the exact thing we saw in Acts chapter 26, right? It's, um, so it says, through sanctification of the Spirit, and it's unto obedience, which is what Paul mentioned in Romans chapter 1, when we read Romans 1 about his apostleship, unto obedience of the faith. So you see, the, his apostleship was for obedience, but we are seeing that through Acts 26 and through Peter, that that, that obedience of faith, really, to really obey fully what faith is bringing, Faith, there is a process within faith called sanctification. And that, so that sanctification is it is it is a through, means it's a passage, is the way, is a means. The sanctification is actually a means to arrive at what is the dividends of what Jesus Christ brought. Then it says, Grace and, uh, unto you and peace be multiplied. And blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. So you're seeing the word inheritance again, which we saw in the book of Acts chapter 26, where Paul said that to give you an inheritance among them that have been sanctified by faith that is in me. So you're seeing all these keywords, just this Men, they are using the same keywords by faith for, for sanctification, right? It means sanctification being a kind of an operation, a dealing that is part of the faith program or which the particular insight into faith, which the Lord Jesus has commissioned to them, um, really, really commends and requires that dealing called sanctification. And all of that sanctification is for an inheritance, right? An inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God. You see that through faith, right, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So we are seeing through faith unto salvation. Right, this salvation, of course, is also is the inheritance which you should come into, but it's through faith. Praise God. So then verse six, right, it now says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be. Do you see that this is key? So 
pay, pay attention now. This is the answer to your question. I'll read verse 5 again. He says, who are kept by the power of God through faith, you see. So faith, there is a means, right, that is unto salvation. That's ready to be revealed in the last time. Of course, this salvation, of course, is the inheritance, right? Because the way Paul put it in Acts 26, right, he said, those who will receive an, you receive an inheritance, among them which have been sanctified by faith that is in me. So when he says by faith here, in First Peter, they said through faith. Right? Uh -huh. So this faith here, let's see, um, verse 6, it says of First Peter, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptation. So now you are seen for a season here, right? If need be, if there is a need, when you will be in a season where of heaviness through manifold temptations. Now they are explaining this kind of season. So that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, perished, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearance of Jesus. Amen. So, what you're seeing here is Paul's. This was this was one of the main the breakthrough um, insight about. Paul's own understanding of the faith message which Jesus gave to him, which is vital, which is at the core of the New Testament message, is, is, is that faith, in the, the thing which the faith that is in Jesus, which is not the same as get faith for other things, getting your natural needs met, getting your body healed, all of those things. There's also a provision of faith for that. But you, you can tell to you that that faith has been existing right from the beginning of the world. And all before Jesus Christ came, all the men who have walked with God, we saw even Gentiles were using that faith. In the book of Hebrews, you see every almost everybody, a lot, not there was no Christian mentioned in Hebrews 11, right? And those, the Bible was just speaking concerning their faith walk, right? Listed all the exploits they did with faith, but none of them. And all of the people mentioned in Hebrews 11 were pre-Jesus' time. So none of them were born again and all of that. So when Jesus was speaking about faith that is in me, he wasn't talking about the faith that Abraham used, all the other men used. They had their own report of faith called a good report in Hebrews 11. If you have time, it's a very long chapter. We can't read it. But you can take your time and read that. But at the end of Hebrews 11, the Bible says, we can quickly pull up that verse, that this all having a good report through faith, right? Yes, that's Hebrews 11, verse 39. It says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. So means you can, there's a kind of faith that someone can have that will give you a good report before God. Like the Lord began to commend Abraham, commended, you know, Sarah, commended all those men of faith. In Hebrews 11, and they all had a good report and a commendation from God. 
but they all receive not the promise. So it's clear that that faith is different. The way it operates, the kind of things, when you have it, what will happen to you when you have that faith, the way it will manifest, everything around that faith was different from this particular faith of the New Testament, which Paul is talking about, that he received grace and apostleship for. That faith which Jesus encountered him for on the way to Damascus, which Jesus called faith that is in me, and which Paul also described in Galatians 2.20 as the faith of the Son of God, which Paul was saying, I live by. You know, and he was saying in Galatians 2.20, I'm not, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And if Christ lives in him, then, of course, the faith that is in Christ, which Christ spoke concerning in Acts 26, will also be in him. So that's why he said, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's very clear that if the faith of all the fathers produce a good report, according to Hebrews 11, and check all the things God did for them, great miracle miracles. One of them spoke to the sun. The sun stood still for three days. All manner of strange things happened by that faith. But it says they received not the promise. So you'll get a notion already that this promise here, right, is actually the exact thing which Jesus was speaking about as an inheritance in him. In Acts 26, is the same inheritance. You see, in if we now move to, you see the inheritance there, um, among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So this inheritance has to do with Jesus himself. Is the kind of faith that was in him, which is after men have been walking on the earth by faith for thousands of years, God said that there's a kind of faith that needs to I need to send to the earth in my son. I said, so I will have to send the second person of the Trinity to mankind. That is something they don't have be even after all their exploits, right? This is the specific thing right, that Jesus came for. And in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, he calls it to an inheritance. So this inheritance here is the same thing as the promise, which he said that they could not receive. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, you see, that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. So all of this, if you want to have this kind of things that they describe in verse 4, and that's one thing as a, as a Christian, a young Christian or even old Christian, you must always continue to ask yourself, when you read the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, what things do you want from the Bible? Out of all the things that God can give people, in the Bible there's record, God has given people children, he has given money, he has given security. He has given fame. He has given power. Name it. Anything we pray for, God has given all those things in the Bible. But almost all those things, when you read Hebrews 11, what almost everyone there was able to achieve by their faith doesn't fall into this verse 4. Here. None of those things fall into this verse. Even the sun that stood still will pass away. Everything there pass away. But there's a kind of faith that can give you things in verse 4 here. It is a very special faith. Before the New Testament, before Jesus Christ came, nobody could receive anything in this category. 
And this is the beauty, this is the awesomeness, this is the wonder of the New Testament that we as just common person, I came from somewhere in south, south, south or of Nigeria, right? You, I don't know where you came from, but from the remote part of this world, no matter how, how little your background, you right? But you can lay claim to an inheritance that is incorruptible, that is undefiled, that will fade not away, that's reserved in heaven for you. So there are two kinds of Christians. There are Christians who seek everything else in the Bible, and there are Christians who seek these ones. They are not the same. And when you choose which one do you want to seek, that will determine what kind of faith you need. Right, because it's true. faith is an instrument. Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if you hope for this type of thing, you need this type of faith for that thing. Right? If you want the faith of you want what Solomon had, plenty of money, riches, all of that, there's a kind of faith for that. But if what you're looking for is inheritance that is incorruptible, that's undefiled, that fades not away, that is reserved in heaven, if that's what you're looking for, right? There is a particular kind of faith that you must learn, you must know, and the only way you will know it, you must come into the understanding of the sent ones, those who, like someone like Paul, who Jesus has sent to go and preach that faith. And he wrote epistles with, with understanding concerning that faith. That's why when you, when you read the New Testament, you find that New Testament sounds different from the Old Testament. A lot of the, the conquests, going to places, taking over kingdoms, taking over this, taking over that, fighting battle, winning nations, all those kind of things, getting rich, getting big, that the Old Testament describes. You don't find them in the New Testament. The New Testament really begins to point people towards invisible things. This, in summary, all these kind of things you see in verse 4 here. And those things are special. And because of their special nature, there is a spe special allocation of power that God has, has in God for this kind of things. It's different from the power to move mountains. This one is for the invisible. When you read verse 5, move to verse 5, you will see it. So these, these things are kept, this particular kind of things, Inheritance as incorruptible, undefiled, and fitted not away, reserved in heaven for you, are kept by the power of God that is through faith unto salvation. So he's talking about a specific kind of faith and power that tends towards the salvation of your soul, the salvation of the inward man, right? Um, how do I know? If you read all the way down, let's just read verse 8 and 9 because we didn't read that. Uh, okay, let's read verse 8. Yes, verse 8 says, Whom having not seen, you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Verse 9, receiving the end. That word end means the result. Receiving the final dividend. You can call it the, the actual promise. You can call it the inheritance. Whatever language you want to use based on the scriptures you have seen. You see, and this end is all these things they mentioned in verse 4 that are incorruptible, undefiled, fitted not to be reserved in heaven for you. All of those things 
they are the end of your faith. And you receive them. And he, and he now explains and summarizes all those things as the salvation of your souls. Right? So you are seeing this faith here is a faith for saving your soul. Anything that has to do with making your soul safe eternally, making your soul okay, that your soul will be preserved. Right? Uh, which is what part of what the journey of sanctification is for, that there is a kind of faith which you need for this kind of thing. Okay. So now coming right to your question is that you have to now see that this faith that is saving faith or faith for the salvation of your soul to give you things that are incorruptible, undefiled, that are not to be reserved in heaven for you, is not a way for you to avoid difficulty, trials, undesirable circumstances, hardship, um, tribulations, right? Persecutions. You see all those all those things I just mentioned, right? Because to me, it seemed like your question, the way you asked your question. Now, I wasn't just looking at the question. I was seeing also the way it was phrased. And I had to address the premise of the question before the actual question, which is the premise that maybe if you're learning these things and you believe them well enough, then because of that, you will avoid some, you might, you might avoid some maybe difficult situations or some kind of um, trial. Now, it's possible that what you are saying is not really avoiding these things. And which is, I suspect maybe you are saying maybe the aspect of maybe not falling into temptation, which is a bad thing, right? And I get that. That's perhaps what you are saying. But it's good to answer the question in a rounded way that faith is not a way for you to avoid difficult circumstances, avoid trial. Faith is not even a way to avoid temptation, right? That, But rather, faith can help you be strong not to fall into temptation when you are being tempted. So one thing that, first of all, that you must we must all come to terms with is that our faith must be tried. And the trial of faith is an essential, necessary, vital, unavoidable, unescapable aspect of sanctification. That nobody will be sanctified without their faith being tried. So if you believe, right, the only the truth is that there is no way to really know fully or to really confirm fully that your faith is, that you've, you've completed everything about your faith or everything about your belief is solid unless until you arrive at the moment of, of temptation or the moment of trial. And that's the point of trial. point of trial is to sort of reveal the, the, the to reveal the, the how your faith, how solid it is. I said the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth 
though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Right. So, um, so the way it works is that you have to follow the the process of your faith, the best to the best that you can under the um, institution of faith in the New Testament, right? And in the institution of faith, what I, I call the institution of, of your faith without, for lack of a better word, is that when you are joining by faith in the New Testament, it's not an individual dealing like Old Testament Christians, which were God encountering people on an individual basis when it comes to people who actually work with God, right? If you check every single person in Hebrews 11 who was listed, they had some kind of individual dealing with God. They didn't mention people who were just a collective, no. Each of them had God concerning something and they were able to follow it through. And that was the, that's pretty much it at that time. And they didn't speak to them in a collective sense. They spoke to each of them about them an individual sense, but when we come into the New Testament, um, the fit for the salvation of the soul, it's a bit different from that time in, in, in terms of this, there's a, there's a link between your individual fit journey and they can't just try to make it the way it was before, individually. The reason is because right now, when you are dealing with physical things, let's say you are believing God for a land, right? You can easily, you can know if you have missed the mark or not. How do you know? No, there will be no land, right? If the God said, I will give you a land, and then you are there is no land at the end, you know that I have missed something. You have to go and check, right? Then God promised Abraham his son. At some point, God had to bring the son, even though Abraham's, Sarah's womb was dead, they were old, God had to bring a physical son who they saw. They held him, they kissed him, all of those things. So that faith can deliver physical things to you. So God can work with a man independently like that. But when is a time for another kind of faith that will bring his son or something is to deliver to you inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled that faded not away that that is reserved in heaven for you, if it's this type, it's very difficult. It, it becomes more slippery. It seems more elusive. It seems almost like it's more difficult to measure, hence your kind, your kind of question. How do I know? Okay, how do I know I'm right? How do I know I'm getting it? How do I know I'm not just way off? Because we are talking about faith for the invisible or the incorruptible. Right, the undefiled, that feeling not away, all of these things. And so there's a way, then that's the reason for the wisdom called church and body. The reason why God says the institution through which I will push will push this kind of this kind of acquisition, this kind of pursuit will be through a spiritual organism. Right, and all within that organism called the body of Christ or the church, and what you call it is a spiritual organism where God put all the checks and balances and all manner of things in place to ensure that in the journey of seeking the invisible, that we are not just wallowing in darkness and you know and uncertainty 
and and you know there's no without any sense of measure any sense of you know um um any sense of guidance right or any kind of definiteness right to it or rather in the church you now begin to see the wisdom of god concerning such and such that first one of the first things when he ascended on high he led captivity captive he gave gifts unto men some he gave some to be you know, apostles, some prophets, some pastors, teachers, evangelists, that's what we call the fivefold, right? And he said he gave all of these, all of them, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, right? So when you see the word saints here, these saints of the New Testament is a very, very specific word that describes people of a particular pursuit. Right, people who are actually pursuing something, right, which is very specific, which have an invisible pursuit, right. So you see, the word saints here, you find is the same word Paul used in Acts chapter twenty-six. Let's see it, Acts twenty-six quickly. In um, sorry, oh sorry, um, it's not the same word, but it's the same description. Um, it says an, an inheritance which is among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. So the word is saint really means somebody who has the destiny of sanctification. Right? It's saint if someone is saint, it's a saint, means they have some kind of holiness. There's something about this, they are separated people, right? So that's those who are sanctified, those who are in the cause on the program of sanctification, or who are called to sanctification, are those who we call who we call saints, right? Um, the, another word for them is those who have been who are the elect, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, um, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace. And it's unto you, right? This particular fate of of saints, of faith of people who should be sanctified, right? Um, is also called. I think it was titled. I called it the fate of God's elect. Let's see quickly. Fate of fate of God's elect. Mm. No. Of God's elect, Titus. Yes. So Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the word, to the faith of God's elect, and then the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. You're seeing the same kind of language here, giving talking about a different idea of faith, right? Which is apart from not the old one, which is the faith that is concerning an elect people right then and it's an acknowledging of the truth that is after after godliness it means it's pursuing godliness is for the purpose of of godliness right um so back to first peter speaking so you see the main point here i'm making is that um if you are to the way you the way you measure things and the way you your journey in this faith, right, is um, different from 
how you measure yourself when you are dealing with a faith to get you things that will pass away, right? For you to join in this faith, you can't do it just by yourself and separately. You must be plugged into the spiritual organism where there's there, there's checks, balances, the sense of approval. That's where the concept of submission comes from. Right? That's why the fivefold was raised. We go back to that Ephesians 4, right? For the perfecting of the saints, right? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, right? Uh-huh. It says for the fine of the body of Christ until we all come unto in the unity of the faith. You see that? So there is no coming to what he calls the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect man, and the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It will not happen until there is something called unity of the faith. The word unity there means something. It's telling you that the way this faith works is different. Is that there is no individual who by themselves can arrive at this inheritance because it's not a physical thing. You can you will lose your way if you just by yourself want to now go independently of other people who are joining with you to go and inherit the inheritance as incorruptible, undefiled. How do you even measure yourself? How do you know if you are getting close to it? Is there is an God had to create an organism in the spirit called the body of Christ and called called or the church, if you want to call it that way. Right, that has that has given them a common destiny in the spiritual, and that if so, the people journey individually on their own, they they, don't, they they won't have we won't have any metrics, any way, in an integrated fashion to measure how whether we are doing well in this invisible pursuit. But when we are doing it in with in the unity of faith, the unity of faith has to do with. The, there is something about in the body of Christ that will bring about sort of the, the, the that gives credence to walks on our individual walk of faith. If you have time, go and read Ephesians 4 from verse 1, right? That's the main one of the main thoughts. Before they, they spoke about the fivefold, they laid the background for the reason for the fivefold, which is to arrive at that unity, that standard of unity of the faith in the spirit, right? So um, the, the point I'm trying to make to you is that the measurement of how you know you are doing well in a season of believing is not something you can just check inside yourself alone and figure out, right? There's something about it that is tied to the, the move, what God is doing in the collective, you find that everything about this faith is tied to a collective pursuit, right? That the, the measurement of your progression is actually measured in terms of you fulfilling your place in the collective, right? In when you we look at journey in the spirit and we begin to advance to the we move into the advanced end of sanctification of Christ. You know that the ultimate validation of sanctification in Christ is what they call charity. And that charity, they call it the unfeigned love of the brethren, which is sort of um, charity. They call it the end. Um, this is one of this first Peter, but then Timothy. Um, let's see. Let's see. Yes, five. First Timothy chapter one, verse five. 
It says, now the end of the, that was the end. You see the end again we saw in Second Peter, in First Peter chapter 1. See, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience. And he, call, and he calls it here faith that is unfeigned. So faith unfeigned, right, is talking about a particular measure get commendable in the spirit. It has to do with charity, right? With charity is a love that is shared. It's a common love with common characteristic that you'll find among brethren who are exhibiting a certain kind of life. And so charity, nobody can independently go in their secret and gain some kind of validity of their charity work, right? Because you can't trust it. It's an invisible thing, right? You, you might feel like your charity work is very, very good in your own eyes. But by the time you, they work, you check how you are working among the company, among the body, among the brethren. You now see, ah, that's where they mark your script <laughs> because it's in the unity of the faith. It means your individual faith work must be keen into some collective thing that God is doing. It's a wisdom, it's a spiritual wisdom which the Lord Jesus and uh, put in the church. And that thing can never, ever be broken. Right? So, in summary, how do you check if you are doing your faith well? Um, you, you must allow the Holy Spirit to begin to enlighten you in a, in a sense towards the collective. By collective, I mean those who are pursuing the same spiritual reality that you are also pursuing. There is a way that your own work should be commended in, in terms of, in that collective sense. And so that's the reason why we have, we talk about things like submission, Submission to the Lord, of course, submission to the Spirit of God, and then submission to authority, right? Those pastors, apostles, those people who the Lord put in the church, right, to bring us into unity of faith. And of course, submitting one to another, which is the submission that happens in the body. And while we are doing that, if you are properly in alignment and submission in a particular season, and there is something lacking in your faith walk, it will get to you. You will know. It will clear. It will be clear. Your the you trying to fulfill your place in the collective. You will find some things are wanting, right? Some things are not put in place, right? And you get some kind of feedback in that spiritual mechanism that you can't just get by just praying by yourself alone. You understand? Now I'm not. I've said this many times. I'm not. I'm ne not diminishing the place of your private time of studying, private time of praying. In fact, in this season, the Lord has been emphasizing that a lot. That's one thing the Lord is really emphasizing in this time, that if that place has been suffering, man, you have to go back there because if, without that individual, the kind of depth of encounter you need to have takes a lot of prolonged time of yourself going over, you know, a lot of the, the spiritual materials, blessing which the Lord has given and fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit to work those things out in you, to create the depth of conviction and all of those things which in the journey of sanctification you need to come into. But when it comes to where you are, how walking out, like trying to live out your faith, trying to come into you know, a place where you are doing that obedience, you are speaking concerning, there is a feedback mechanism, right, which is necessary. Every kind of development must have a feedback mechanism. Right, without a feedback mechanism, um, 
um, growth can never be healthy, right? There must be a feedback mechanism to know, okay, is enough of this, more of that now. Or you've been ignoring this area, think about this side. You've not even been thinking about this side at all. What about this one? A lot of times, that's why we have, we have, you have brethren, you have a pastor, you have those who have gone ahead of you, you have your peers, and the Holy Spirit uses all these means to bring, um, to bring, um, your, um, to bring, to call your attention when something is lacking in your faith, right? And if you are correctly, con you are properly connected, right, and positioned rightly, spiritually, where God wants you to be. The truth is that you will never fall. You will never fall. You will never fail. Even if you stumble, there will be a way to get you back. Every read the New Testament is all there. The provision of the even the God even provided for the righteous folly. He said that the righteous man is. He didn't say the righteous will not fall. He said there's provision in there. If he falls seven times, he will rise up again. Right? Because of there are places where the Bible speaks about. You know, just gives body counsels, right? Says so you strengthen the, the feeble, weak, the ones that hang that hang down, those who are discouraged. Strengthen them. That's part of the wisdom of the body of Christ to make sure that even while you're going through trials and while you're going through your faith is being tried, that if there is something lacking in your faith, it would it won't be a damnation. It will be something that you can't recover from. Because there's so much robustness that the Spirit of God has put around this, this journey of seeking the invisible. And it's not something we are just grasping around with. You know, if if you feel that way that you are this thing, so you're not even laying the handle of it, you know, it's as if you're just in the dark, as if there's no beginning, no head, no tail, you don't know where you are. That kind of feeling is a sign that you are not properly positioned in the body. You're not properly positioned among the company among the saints, among those who are joining together, right? Um, because the, the, the key, like, like when, if you want to use John's own way of saying it, when he, he was speaking at that, God, how can you love God who you don't see, for example, if you have not loved your own brothers who you see? There's a way you can invert that and, and see that it's almost as if the brethren who they have been given to you is almost like a, almost like a way for, for you to have a measurement of and of attainment of the invisible, because such brethren are also in the same cause and looking for the same to uh, to attain the same things which you are going after. Thank you, Father. Glory to Jesus. I pray the Lord will will give you um the Lord will give you a lot of wisdom. Um, so that I I spoke about that in a bit more of it. Practical sense, in a general sense, practically, um, I think that can hint to you that something is not fully right, right, in your maybe when you're believing or when you're growing and all of that. But another way that is more on a more, more personal and individual level is that you have to check, um, the, the way that faith of the New Testament, um, has been described. Um, in, if you go back to that Romans chapter, Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one, very quickly. Oh, I spent time on this question. This is uh, I'm so sorry. There's something in me just felt should be a bit thorough with this question. Um, Romans one verse sixteen. 
right? Um, this was Paul speaking. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You see the same thing, power of God unto salvation, unto everyone that believeth. Do you see that? To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So you're seeing that in the that when, when you see the word faith to faith there, is introducing the concept of journeying, of migration, of progression in faith. When you and I, I believe that's where your own question is being birthed from. That in the concept of when you think of faith as a journey, it means that you must be growing, must be moving from one point to another. There must be some sort of advancement. It shouldn't just be something that has, you know, just completely open-ended and completely entirely subjective. And know that there's actually a sense of movement, right, of from from faith to faith, and which is also which follows the the revelation which God is bringing. Right, that God, when it means that when the Holy Spirit is bringing revelation, it's actually a revelation that should trigger journey, movement, migration from one faith level to another faith level, from one faith dealing to another faith dealing, from one faith dimension to another faith dimension. Right, but the what, how you you can almost pin faith down in more of, in a more personal inward sense is the concept of revelation, right? Uh, that's actually how, the way I can put it is that revelation almost spells out faith, right? Uh, revelation spells out faith, that in a season of your life, the kind of revelation, the quality of your revelation actually is a almost like a parallel or is the quality of your faith. That's the honest truth. The quality of your revelation is the quality of your faith. You can, you, when it comes to this as kind of Christianity, you can never have more faith. You can't have a higher faith than your revelation. Right? So if you're, you are looking believe the incorruptible beyond the revelation of the incorruptible that you have, right? If you are, what you are looking for is the nature of Christ, you will not have more, the faith for that nature will not rise more than the revelation. The reason why they will bring revelation is to trigger faith, right? And we saw that very clearly in that Romans chapter 10. Say, what shall we say then? That faith cometh by hearing and then hearing by the word of God. Mm -hmm. Faith cometh by, so then faith cometh by hearing, and then hearing by the word. So that when you are hearing the word, not just the hearing of your outward ears, but the hearing of your inward man who has his own ear, the hearing of your inward man is the receiving of revelation. When revelation is coming, as, as revelation cometh, faith cometh. When revelation is coming, the way they, the way they load faith in your heart, and belief is by the revelation that you see. So if you want to cross-check and see, am I doing well? Have I, am I, have I been accumulating enough faith for this thing I'm looking for? Check, have I been accumulating revelations? Right. If you're not getting enough revelation, then if you feel wretched in revelation, 
know that automatically, without fail, you are wretched in this faith. That's one way on an individual level in inwardly for you to check and confirm, right? That And this one doesn't fail, right? At this point, you're not even dealing with the collective and all that. It's just, it's just that I'm just talking at a, at a basic, simple, practical level that if you are not having a lot of revelation, then when it comes to attaining these invisible things, most, most likely than not, you also have low faith. So then you must do something about that, right? Which is one thing you can do about revelation if you find you're lacking in terms of revelation. One thing you can do about it is pray. You can pray about it, right? Sometimes we don't pray about the right things. And sometimes the things we ought to pray for, we think they are beyond us. So we don't actually take that intentionality and pray, right? So you can pray about it. If you know, Lord, I... I want more revelation. I want to have more revelation. I want to have more insight. I want to have more of those moments when I am seeing your word through the scriptures, where light is dawning on the scriptures. My heart is opening. And when you when you receive revelation, you feel like something just landed inside your heart. That thing that landed is fate. It's fate. Revelation is a, is a vehicle through which they import fate and belief into your heart. Right. So if you have plenty of revelation, you have plenty of faith, man. But as we were saying last time, all right, that um, there is also the whole aspect of, you know, staying with that, and um, yeah, following through on, in terms of being established in the understanding, which um, the dealing of faith will bring to you. Okay, I don't want to continue talking. Um, did I answer you at all? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Are you sure? Are you sure I didn't go off into my own room? No, no, no. It was it was really helpful. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. All right. Okay, so we still have some minutes to talk about um so maybe sanctification or let's just leave it open now. Let's see if you have any question. Thank you, Father. Any question? to ask um, maybe about what I just shared or um, what we discussed last week or something in your own life maybe um, that you want to to ask about. Let me see. Participants. Okay. Does anyone, anyone have a question? Um, your question doesn't have to be at maybe maybe a certain level. It can just be a simple question. Can you just think practically about your <clears throat> your own maybe your own journey? You, I mean, I know everybody has questions because we have not all obtained the you know the sanctification. level that that the Lord wants us to have and if, if that's the case it means that there are some gray areas there's some things that you know we're not uh,
area. Nobody's asking questions. After this topic, we are moving on to something else. So might be next year or two years from now again. I will come back here. Okay. Someone's raising their hands. Um, was that is that Auntie D? Okay, Auntie D, please. Okay. Um, Auntie D, are you the one raising your hand? Yeah, I can't hear you. If you are speaking, hello. Okay, is this my hello? Can you hear me? Hello. Yes, okay, I can see. I can hear you. Okay. Sorry yes, about sir. that with my headphones. Yes, Thanks a lot for the um answer so far. I just had um a question. I know it might it might be a simple question, but uh please permit me to ask. So you were talking last week about um the co um a community that uh, has imbibed the culture but hasn't necessarily perfected um, or inherited, I guess, the spirit of yes, whatever that community represents. And you were um, using our community as an example. And I know one of the things that I believe has been mentioned as tools that can help with this is um a culture of I guess giving yourself to prayer yes, and sir. the word. So yes. um if you so that's where my question lies, like for those who maybe should I say struggle mm. with um because we at least if I can speak for our community, we thank God that there is an abundance of you know, um, messages and somehow we can always be exposed to, I guess, the ministry of revelation and hearing new things. Yes. But in terms of like that personal, um, building yourself up through the ministry of prayer and the word, um, mm. uh, or even the concept of, for instance, we've heard it often. So this is like a second question, uh, mm -hmm. the concept of, Praying through. I know Reverend Hagen also spoke about that. Um, yeah. if you can just shed some light. Uh, I don't know if the question is clear. The first one is in regards to um, how can one be more established in mm -hmm. uh, prayer and um, the word in yes. order to properly imbibe not just the culture, not just doing it because that's what everyone is doing, because you've also invited the spirit of that um, community so mm. you can receive the full inheritance and also I guess the second one kind of ties in in terms of being the attitude of learning to pray through yes yes sir so that was the question mm. okay um so the first one had to do more with um con more of connection and one's positioning right Oh, yes. yes. Okay, then second one is more specifically about prayer. Yes. Prayer. Yes. Um, okay. The first one about positioning, 
Um, I think, let me just, because I think a lot has been said about this thing, this area, um, you know, what it costs. Me, if I pick, I just try and pick maybe the vital point about it that uh, maybe might could be overlooked <clears throat> is that the the most important thing about when it comes to positioning integration with brethren and with the community that are seeking the same thing. Um, the most important thing is, I think, I think, is sincerity. I think that's the most important thing. The reason I say that is because what really, how you really find and know how, where and how you should be positioned is primarily, that information primarily is in everyone's spirit man is in is actually in your spirit um when you say your spirit your spirit is that aspect of is a is that a, is that a unique aspect of you is that it's really you your you are really your spirit because you are a spirit uh, so your your soul is the house of your spirit and okay. um the way your body is the house of your soul. So when it comes to you, things that pertain to you specifically, in terms of that is different, might be different from other Christians, that could be different from other Christians, but has to do with you specifically. Those are the information that are inside your, they're actually in your own spirit man. Right, so... In such matters, what your own spirit man might be saying might not be exactly what somebody else's spirit man might be saying. The reason is because in a body, someone might be in a body, a hand is different from the legs or the shoulder or other part. Even though it's the same body, the same blood runs through the body. It has the same DNA, same genetic information, but when it comes to positioning, in the body, there is a uniqueness to positioning that every part, every member, right, is uniquely, uniquely has. And everybody has to find their own position. That's the thing. You know, it's, of course, it's the same blood. Same blood means it will be the same doctrine, same spirit, right? All those places where they said one, 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 one in Ephesians chapter four. Right, same one faith, one baptism, one everything, one, 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 right? And the body, of course, is one, right? But what the Bible now says they are one body, but many members, right? One body, many members, one body. And as well, you see that uniqueness has to do with many. That's First Corinthians chapter 12. It says, For as the body is one and hath many members. And all the members of that one body, being many, they are one body. So also is Christ. So also is Christ. Means also Christ also has many members, even though Christ is one body. So, and if you are a member of the body, Christ, you should be able to know there's something inside you that gives you that information about where is your own place. That's the reason why 
We are all one body, but we don't have to all have to attend the same local church. Right? The information of which local church you need to attend is in your own spirit, man. It's inside you. It has to do with you specifically. Right? Like who should be your own pastor? Who should be where should you be connected? Right? That's not about who who in the individual, in the in the entire body should you personally personally be submitted to. Right? That's very specific. Like the the finger plugs into the arm. The finger can't go and say, I want to be plugged into somewhere else. Because it is it is, if you plug somewhere else, you will not be fulfilling, first of all, you will not be nourished with the right things to grow. And you will not be fulfilling the right function. In the you, so you will suffer and the body itself will suffer because you will not be positioned in the right place. And so when it comes to these things, um, a lot of times it has to do with it to do with sincerity. You get because at the end of the day, um, is the, the full body of Christ, right? You can say, Oh, why don't I stay here instead of there or submit here instead of there? Because no, on on a general level, it might seem like submitting here or there, or staying here or here, or living with this person versus that person. On a general level, it doesn't make any difference, it's just we are all brother, but. But the truth is that when there is a there's a sincerity, right? And when it comes to things like that, that is unique, this um, um, unique guidance about your own specific path, right? How this what makes you, for example, connect to a specific local church? That this is where I, even though the entire body is big, we are many. This is where I specifically am designed to stay and to serve. And, and where you're connected to a particular brother or sister, I should submit to this person or I should connect to this person. Those are, you know, very yeah, important information that must be done with, with sincerity. And, and the reason why I highlighted sincerity is because a lot of times if you if you disobey that accuracy, people around you might not really tell easily, although they can tell. How they would tell is that it will be showing after some time in the body that either the place where you are supposed to be, there's a gap there, right? Or the place where you are not supposed to be, where you are attaching yourself, <laughs> while something is breaking out. So, so there are all kinds of things that can happen there, right? So um, the, a huge part of it is sincerity. Um, and then I would say, I can't emphasize this enough, submission is very, very key. Right, apart from a specific member of the body who knows where they should, where they connect to the body, another person that knows is the head. The head knows when one part is not in the right place or when part is missing. The head knows. And when it comes to headship, the Lord Christ has also put people, set offices in the body, right? And, and giving some to those offices are extensions of the head of the body who have some kind of body wisdom and such people can tell when someone is out of place or when someone is not submitting properly or when someone is not properly positioned in the body in terms of how they ought to, you know, all of that. So all of those things have to be combined. It's, it's some kind of combination between sincerity in terms of as you prayerfully checking your spirit, um, trusting the Lord to reveal to you what, where your own place is 
how you ought to be positioned, how you ought to serve, how you ought to serve the body to serve others, and also in terms of submission as well, right? Um, listening to guidance, seeking guidance of those who you believe, who you, you believe in your heart, um, sent and positioned by Jesus in the body. Right to be able to give direction and who have a body, a body eye, a body oversight, and such people who people who register to you as that to be willing to submit to their own input in such things. And I think that if we have the you know, the, the humility, the willingness, the brokenness, the openness, you know, the meekness, and the the sincerity of heart, right to to follow this guidance, I feel like no one. Uh, no one will be lost. At the end of the day, a lot of things are quite obvious, right? The fact that something is spiritual doesn't mean it's it's just completely, you know, um, undiscernible, right? Um, by God's grace, God has helped us to a point where we can discern spiritual things. Spiritual things can be obvious if they are wrong, if they are out of place. And we must trust that there is enough spiritual wisdom for that. I don't know if I answered the question in the right direction, but that's what I... I I think I will say about that for now. Then concerning um, the second one was about praying. So you said um, praying through. So I I believe that praying through. I want. I, I believe you are you are a student of Hagen, sir. So I want to assume that you are using the term in the way that Hagen uses it, the way he uses it in his teachings, his books, and all that. Um, so, yes, sir. okay, sir. Thank you. Yeah. So, just to to try and describe what um, I, I believe we have a sense of what Pastor Tomoa is saying is when you are um, when you are praying, um, how do you know you have prayed, or you have? How do you know you have prayed? I don't want to use the word enough, but I'll say maybe. You have prayed sufficiently for the for the for the moment. Follow the Bible. The Bible says we should pray without ceasing. So the way I see that praying without ceasing means that there will be a constant flow of body. As long as you are still in the flesh, you are still in the natural. There will be a constant flow of bodies in the spirit for for the exercise of prayer to continue. Right, I pray. I say, I exhort that men should pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without guile and all of those things. So those are, and prayer is a continuous thing that should be going. So you can't finish praying, although you can't finish praying, but for there is a way that you pray that in a particular moment in time you can have a feeling of a a kind of feeling of a breakthrough or. A kind of sufficiency, not sufficient, but uh, you know where you feel you hit the mark. You know where you are, you've you've hit the mark um, in in prayers. Um, our, our Lord Jesus used to do it, right? He will go away up. The Bible says as he often did, he would go into the mountain and he would pray, right? When he went in the Garden of Gethsemane while he was praying. And the, the disciples were, were were sleeping. You know, he they prayed. He prayed to a point, and he looked at them, and he knew that his prayer wasn't done. He had to go back and continue praying again, right? So there is that concept. There is a. It's not if it's not a strange concept. It's actually a valid concept that 
when you are pulled into prayer, right, there is a thing, and, and Daddy Higgin um, taught this a lot. I listened to a lot of his teachings, um, in a lot of his teachings about praying, right, about praying. That's how he used to teach prayers, teach intercession, especially. Um, he had a series of messages called Intercession by Precept and Example. So he would teach it from the scripture and he would begin to give examples and examples and examples, right, of different ways the Lord taught him about praying, right? And so prayer is actually something, is a is almost like an art, right? It's an art in the spirit. as the, What you call it, the, the art of prayer. I mean, that there's a way to it. There's a way to prayer. It's not just random. But prayer is not something that you can just learn. That's why he, he taught it by precept and by example. means he would teach the precept from the scripture. But at the end of the day, a lot of the impartation you get from Daddy Hagin when it comes to prayer and these practices is through his examples, right? Because, um, and, and if you follow his examples, then you will, you will then really be, you will begin to have those same kind of experiences that really give validity to prayer. And prayer is an interesting thing because the, 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 the prayer, the, the purpose of prayer is to touch the unseen, right? Is to reach the invisible. It's almost to come into a state of a kind of a tangibility of something that is in the spirit, that is unseen and in the invisible. So it means that the way of measuring it, of judging it, of seeing whether it's done well or it's not done well, is not in a natural sense. <laughs> you can, so whether someone has prayed well or not, has nothing to do with how their tongue sound. Uh, that, that tongue sound very, very, very spiritual. So that prayer must have got into the third heaven. No, that's not how you can't tell prayer from that. It's not in the much. Jesus spoke about praying in that sense, you know, when he was looking at the Pharisees and, you know, you guys have got it all wrong when it comes to prayer. That they, they missed the road completely about prayer. You know, they stand in the street corners, you know, and keep speaking as if they will be heard with their much talking. And then when Jesus Christ said, no, that's not the way. And when you want to pray, go into your house. He said, after you have entered into your closet, and after you have shut the door, then you pray. Um, that's uh, Matthew chapter 6, right? But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. Oh my God, thank you. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, means that prayer is really a secret business. That who prayer is can shall reward thee openly. So you can't release when the, the reward of prayer is coming, things will happen. It can be visible, it can be open, right? But the dealing of prayer is done in secret. The art of prayer is not really an art that manifests on the outside. The reward can happen on the outside when God begins to move, but the actual art, you can't observe somebody the way they are praying and see what they are doing from looking at them. It's, it's an, what they are doing is a secret operation. You can never see it. If you want to discover things about prayer, you must go into your own closet. And after you have shut your own door, then you must pray to your father. We see it in secret, and then he will reward you openly. And so, um, so that's why prayer has to be in that way. So this concept of um, the idea of of praying through, right? There's a, and it, it comes from the idea that prayer um, is actually 
is almost is a conveying of something, right? It's it, it said making making your request known unto God. Let's see that please. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Right? Praying always. That is um verse 18. It says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Right. So um this what you call supplication means so supplication means you are you are you're actually doing a petition to receive something right that is spiritual right that um petition is um okay there's another way to, to see prayer you know Jesus taught all these things he taught all these things you know Jesus was teaching about prayer when he was saying that um if you that if you if you if you seek, you will find. Right? He that asketh, receiveth. He that seek will find. And he that knocks, the door will be opened unto them. He was teaching and he told stories about those things. About a, a woman who was looking for a judge and all of that. And, and she kept knocking and knocking. And the judge, after some time, the judge got, got tired because he wants he wants to rest. He had to come out and to, you know, take heed to the woman and give and answer her. He, he gave another story about somebody who has locked up his door. And he was on the bed with his children, but his neighbor needed something and kept knocking and knocking. At some point, he said, This is my neighbor. If I don't go and answer him, I won't let me sleep. So he had to go out and answer. So Jesus gave those examples, right? To, to show that there's that there's something about prayer. Prayer is not just something you just do anyhow, that prayer has a goal. There's a sense when you know that that you have received, or when you know that you have you are found. When you know that the door has been opened, is that that note is something you you re, you realize within. It's an, it's an inward witness which you have, you know, by that engagement in the place of prayer. So prayer is not random, right? So the more you, as you're developing yourself in prayer, prayer is a kind of an exercise that you keep just you keep doing it. It's like a prayer is a, is a realm is a, is actually a world of discovery. When you, if you start praying, you discover so many things. Most of the things that you discover, 80, 90% of them are things you can't even share because you don't have the words to describe. Like I, I've thought about prayer so much, but I can't tell you that I've taught 70, 80% of the things I know about prayer. I just don't know how to teach them. The best I can, after talking and talking, I will just advise you, go and pray. <laughs> At the end of it, that's, that's the way prayer, prayer is. So, um, you know, there is that thing about prayer. When you are, you begin to engage in prayer, right? Um, there must be, there will be a note on the inside of your heart, you know, that will, um, that will, if you feel initially like a burden, there are different phases of prayer. There's a, there's a point of prayer where you are asking for burden, right? You are, it's almost like praying for burden, right? Which is, a lot of times that happens when you are just ministering to the Lord or fellowshipping with the Lord, just blessing him, just speaking in tongues, just you know, releasing your spirit unto him, just speaking in your native language, you know, ministering to the Lord. Oftentimes, when you do that to the Lord, they will bless you with a body, right? Your body will be something on that is spiritual that comes on your heart in your heart through some kind of fellowship 
that will weigh in there. It will register as a will of God that needs to be done. Something that God needs to accomplish, either in your own life or in the life of your friends or your family or someone who you know that it will come. And that's one of the beauty of prayers. People who pray are in some kind of way partners with God. They are partners with God, partners with heaven who, who are willing to spend and sow their time on the earth instead of enjoying their own things and enjoying their own to be an instrument to pull down the will of the Father. So when God sees such people, he's excited about them because you, know, you are willing to sow your time to me. Okay, take this burden I have that I want to bring to the earth. Can you help me pray this one through? Right? So when, when you are praying, the, the purpose of prayer, ultimately the purpose of prayer is alignment. Right? It's alignment. It's like, it's like you are, you know, people who pray, especially intercessors are, are conduits connect their are pipes connected to heaven. There's a particular zone in heaven God needs to transmit things from. They want you say, can you extend your pipe to that place? So we can have a way to transmit such things to the earth. Right? That's just it might be a very dull analogy, but in a way, that's just what prayer is. Prayer is a way. You know, when Jesus they asked Jesus, teach us to pray, right? They asked him, and then Jesus began to teach our Father who at heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, then thy Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the, that's the burden of prayer. It's about God has so much will. God has, heaven is full of will, which God needs to bring to pass on the earth. But if, if men will pray enough, if there will be enough, or enough souls, enough hearts who are willing to connect to heaven, who can become conduits of birthing the will of God, right? on the earth and when when you begin to put yourself in such a position frequently frequently you begin to become a friend of heaven right you you become a friend of heaven um what, what will make you a friend of heaven is not just because you are praying it's because you have taken up prayer as a vocation of a kind of thing you do frequently and in a, in the place of sincere prayer the will of god would not be too far away especially if it's a season for God's will, you know, the Lord says you should seek the Lord when he can be found or when he is near. Right? That idea of seeking him, there will be a season when God is near means there's already an intention in the heart of God to do certain things on the earth. And when you pray, you are becoming a partner to Lord in terms of doing what you want to do in at this time, in this nation, in this community, among my close circles, among my close friends, in my family, in the life of my spouse, the life of my husband. I want to be a partner with you, Lord, to bring those things, to create a legal ground, an opportunity for all kinds of, you know, invasion of, of goodness from heaven to the earth. So once we take that, those things, those are things we pick in the spirit as burden, right? Then once you've taken up a burden in your heart, it means it can just be simple. Why ministering to the Lord? Just ministering to Him. Something just weighs heavily upon you. A, a matter uh, that is that touches the heart of God, which your heart picks. Once you have that burden in you, then you it's almost like a responsibility. You must pray that through. You must you must pray. Sometimes praying something through can take days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes 
some, some kinds of boarding can take years to pray through. Now, they will just be sitting in your heart somewhere, and God can put such burden on people. Where you, every time you pray, even though you pray for many other things, but you still perceive that one there somewhere, and you, you keep praying concerning it and praying concerning it, right? Uh, so um, um, prayer does a lot for you. Um, prayer also helps with sensitivity. Now, when I'm saying prayer now, I'm speaking very, very particularly about New Testament prayers, right? Um, um, because that's the zone where we are in. We are speaking, we are we are New Testament saints who are looking for New Testament things. Uh, so when it comes to New um, New Testament prayers, um, you will not be, if you pray, if you are a New Testament saint who have access to the waters on the oracles of the New Testament and you are praying very, you are praying frequently, you pray well, the will of God can never be far from you. It will not be far from you to flow because will are the incense that you offer in prayer. What you actually call burden is a perception of will. Burden is like some is a smell, a kind of thing that can come into your heart by maybe some kind of insight, some kind of revelation, right? That comes and then you pray that through, right? That's why a lot of times when, when we are leading prayers in meetings, for example, maybe meetings, opening prayer, things like that, it's not just pray, pray, pray. Sometimes you see the person who is praying will begin to open the Bible, might be led. The more you pray, you find that um, if you if if you engage in prayer, maybe on a collective level. Well, discover that a lot of times prayer seems almost like a journey through the scripture. You take the, the one part of the Bible will open, you have an insight. Then you see, you give the prayer point. We pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. As we are praying about that, because we are doing well with that body, sometimes it will now begin to unlock some other, other, other wheels, which you can, you know, other part of the scripture. If you are praying sometimes, and this happens. And when you are you are you are used to this activity of praying through, oftentimes a thought comes to you. It might be spiritual, it might be scriptural. You praying concerning it. You pray and 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 you pray. And you pray. Then from that thought, that thought which you started with gets deep because you prayed. They, they will permit you. Okay, you've done well with this. Let's open a deeper aspect of the week. Sometimes more scriptures that will help you to deepen that weed will begin to come to your mind, right? And you, as you meditate on them, you pray them, you pray them, you pray them. Sometimes the understanding can become big. That's a very, very awesome time of prayer, right? But um, going straight to your question, sir, because of time. So there's a point where you pray to. Oftentimes I can describe that feeling of praying through what it feels like, that that the, the feeling of praying through, there's no better word to, to describe it rather than the feeling of burden being lifted. Right? It's, it's a time when you feel that you've broken through, like the, the burden which you carried, right, has been lifted off your heart. Oftentimes there's a note of victory in, inside your heart. And there's something, the, the feeling of heaviness turned into sweetness, right? It turns in almost into a kind of rejoicing. A kind of a joy breaks forth on the inside of your spirit by right? something you feel something that like you've had a breakthrough right concerning that thing right everything i'm saying to you you want to experience it go and pray you will experience it as sure as i'm saying it to you that's how it happens you 
you pray. And a lot of times when it comes to praying through something, you, you might even be praying through something that has to do, that has some kind of physical, you know, some physical dimension to it. Maybe you're praying concerning a brother or you're concerning a sister who has some kind of challenge or difficulty that about maybe their work or something that manifests in the natural. And then you can take that burden and pray for them and pray for them. And why praying for them? At some point, you might experience a note of victory on the inside. But it doesn't mean that that person physically has anything might have changed physically or naturally in their circumstance. Oftentimes, you will have that breakthrough. And then after some time, you begin to see. And sometimes you may not even be tracking it on the natural. Maybe after months later, you're like, ah, really? Wow, that thing I, that, that, that victory I obtained in the spirit. You begin to see the manifestation of a lot of times it happens that way, right? And sometimes you don't even know the burden. It's not every time that the burden you have is something you can clearly see from the Bible and clearly explain. Sometimes burdens, because it might, it might be about something that might not connect directly to something natural in your life that you can explain. It could be about something completely somewhere else. You don't even know. It was a spiritual burden, right? And that again, he gave many examples where he felt a burden to pray in the night, just praying, and he just got one and began to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And maybe weeks later, someone would tell him a testimony that also so and so and so day at this time in the night, this and this and this happened. And then there was a deliverance. Many stories like that that he has given concerning prayer. So we have to know that um, what we are doing, we are, it's not, this is not a fake something. This is God. We are dealing with real beings. Right? You are dealing with, with the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is real, heaven, angels, the entire realm of the Spirit, they are all there. right? But sometimes if you, if you don't pray enough, your heart can lose touch with the realm of the Spirit. And that's where a lot of unbelief, weariness, you know, when... Looking down, you know, not heaviness. It comes because you're not, you're not showing up right in the place of prayer. And uh, this world will, will all of a sudden look too real to you, more than the realm of the spirit. When you're someone who are used to using to used to taking up burdens, making supplication, praying regularly, interceding, interceding. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He said, I, I exhort first that intercession. Um, let's see. Thank you. Timothy. I exhort therefore that first of all, right, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. He's, he's saying, first of all, first of all, meaning that this should be a basic thing. Everything else will come after this. That say you're a Christian. I don't care what you're doing, right? You, you're a giant. You're a spiritual giant. You know, in the community, we all know you. You are the one. You are a model for working for God, for doing everything. You are the one to give, you know, brethren, you know, award. You are the one. It doesn't matter. Let's say you are of that pedigree, and God bless you if you are that way. But if you are not doing this, you are ignoring. You are ignoring the first of all. Don't ignore the first of all. If you are a Christian, you must be a praying machine. So constantly, constantly plugged into the Spirit. Prayer should not be far. The journey for, from your heart to your mouth should be very, very close. 
should not be far. Constant things should be pouring out. While you are even playing, sometimes you forget yourself. You are just praying because that's what you constantly do. First of all, you must be constantly making supplications, prayers, intercession. It, and Jesus said, my house should be a house of prayer. Means if you are your body, your house, your soul is a house, is a spiritual entity, a spiritual house, you are born again. If you are born again, your house, your inward man is a prayer house. Just accept that, that this is a prayer, is a house of prayer. Constantly prayers must be going on. So I exhort therefore that first of all supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made first for all men. You see, secondly, um, verse 2, then also for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in what all godliness and in honesty. So I pray. I don't know if I was able to answer your question, sir. Uh, but I, because of time, I think that we can we can stop here uh, for today. Uh, why don't we just begin to pray? Let's just pray. Um, you, wherever you are, just just begin to pray. And of course, yeah, Nelias to Ferreira, Makai, Livasa, Amaramai, Kayesu, Libras, O Fata, Eli, Manakani, Onte, Emerene, Eliando, Sefia, Novoshia, Nova, and Takeria, Satalia, and Provina, Amito, Amito, Emihito, Amahito, Emihito, Abana, E. Calosia, Arienos, Everness, Everness, Amirena, Moranito, Faraniso, Paraosa, Perilienosa, Oranenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenenen
things of life, it's because you've not chosen to take my burdens. You've not been taking up my burdens. And then say, no, that your, your, your soul is a burden machine, is a bearer of burden. If you don't take mine, you take, you take the burdens of the other, of the other, the one who seeks to, to burden you and to weigh you down and to, to demoralize you, to break you down. But don't align with him, but rather align with me. The Lord said, come to me, you who are weary, who are heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. Take my own yoke upon you. Take my yoke. Take my body. Take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Then of me, I'm meek, lowly. So my, my body is easy. My yoke is easy. My own body is light. Come in. Take the easy one. Take the easy one. Take the easy body. Take the easy body. Commit. Commit to easy body. The body of the spirit. The body of the spirit. Take up the, the body of the spirit. The body of the spirit. Take it up. Take off my burden. Take off my burden. Allow my spirit to put his own weight on you. Allow my spirit to weigh upon your heart. Allow my spirit to weigh upon you. To weigh upon you. To make an order. a holy body. To put a holy burden. Burden upon you. My own body. My light body. My own easy body. To take hold together with you. To take hold together with you. For laughter, for either two, for either two, for either two, you've not known how to pray, but for, for many of you, for all of you indeed, I'll begin to teach you to pray. I'll teach you to pray. I'll teach you to pray. And Ephraim, even as I taught Jesus, even as I taught Jesus, even I, your father, even I will teach you to pray. For yeah, likewise, the spirit also help it your in, infirmities. But you know not what to pray for as you ought, but even the Spirit will take, take all together with you, even with groanings, groanings that cannot be altered. For you have take, received the weight, received the weight of the Spirit, even upon your soul, upon your heart. You have to invade your heart to stay with you, even ask ever an amateur, for an akata. For you, when you take this, you will walk in rest. You will live in rest. You will stay in rest. You will be forever placed in rest. You find your place in rest. For you, the Spirit of God will rest. For here, here is the rest. Here is the rest where we will cause the weary, even the weary to rest. Even here for here with another tongue, with another tongue, with another tongue shall he speak to these people. Say here that this is the rest where the weary shall rest. I will cause you to rest. For I desire to bring you to rest, to put rest on you, to have you, to have you find your rest, even your rest in this spirit. Thank you, Father. Lord will bless your name, give you glory. Amen. The Lord is saying to someone, I don't know who you are. Yeah, the Lord is saying that that I have I'm sh I'm shutting down the voice of the adversary over your life. Oh yeah, there's a spirit who's, who speaks to you constantly to demoralize you and to discourage you, to discourage, always bringing faults against you, always bringing accusations against you, always telling you of the things, the areas where you don't meet up, always bring demoralization to you. But the Lord is saying, I judge that spirit and I rebuke him and I rebuke him. 
I rebuke him to get his hold off of you, to leave you, to leave you alone, to leave you alone, to leave you alone. And then you're free. Lord say, you're free. For I, I, I bring you into freedom from that. Even as you take on your vocation, take on with strength your calling in the spirit. To possess your own vessel, even in sanctification, even to give it and to yield it even to the things of the Spirit, and you will walk in freedom. You will begin to find joys, find joys, find joys, and joys, and joys, and joys. For heaviness, I will give you joys. I will give you joy. I will give you joy, see it, Lord. I bring joy, joy to your heart and to your soul. Thank you, our Father. Lord, we thank you this evening. Thanks for speaking to us again. Thanks for blessing us again. Thank you. Oh, Father, we give you praise. Lord, thank you for giving us things that money cannot buy. Or who can speak such blessed words? Speak exactly to the need of our soul. Or who can pour fresh in water, refreshing water on our own weary heart, on our dry and parched soul? Thank you, O living fountain, O eternal God and eternal fountain, such a benevolent Father, such a gracious God. We give you praise. We thank you today. I pray, Lord, of all we have spoken concerning of sanctification and of faith and of prayer and Lord, even concerning how we ought to be positioned, Lord, even spiritually, I pray, Lord, that you will cause these things to be established in our heart. Understand and Holy Spirit, bring to our remembrance all that you have said unto us. Thank you, our God. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Just go and just keep praising the Lord tonight. Just don't let tonight just be an, an evening of, of fellowship with the Lord. The Spirit of God is, is present, very present. I feel him strongly. I know he is also there with you wherever you are in your home, your place, and just keep on fellowshipping with him. And allow him to bless, to bless your heart tonight. God bless you. In Jesus' name.